0: Hello and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. I am your host, Tim Silverwood, and our guest today is Ben Neppers, who is one of the co-founders of Bureo. This podcast was recorded live on Instagram on the 25th of August, 2020, the same day we launched the Ocean Impact Pitchfest 2020, which is our first Inaugural campaign calling for applications from startups and businesses who are working to create a positive impact on the ocean. And applications are open now. They're open until the 5th of October 2020. So this is it. This is the chance if you are an entrepreneur or you know someone who is working in a business to help the ocean, please tell them about this. Get them to apply. because. Not only is there 160000 Australian dollars worth of support and prizes for the top 10, we have a $15,000 cash prize for the winner, courtesy of our presenting partner, Bank Australia, but we also are going to be doing a huge amount of communicating about these businesses over the coming months, and of course, lining them up with all the tools and the people to help make their business a success. So, This is it. This is a really exciting time. Please talk about it and share it around. I really wanted to speak to Ben um, to get an insight into what it has been like for Boreo to build this ocean impact venture over the last seven years. And Ben doesn't hold back. He really gives us a warts and all account of what the good times look like. What the bad times look like and everything in between so i think that those people out there who are those ocean impact entrepreneurs and innovators you're really going to get a lot from this conversation and we certainly aim to bring you many more conversations from the entrepreneur's perspective as we keep developing this podcast series so, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please share it around and make sure you give us a review so that we continue to grow our audience because, as you know, Planet Ocean really needs us. And again, just remember the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2020. Applications are open now, they close on the 5th of October. Share it around, get everyone to apply. This is your chance to take your great idea to the world. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone! It is the 25th of August here in Australia, 24th if you're in some parts of the world, and uh, I'm really proud to announce that we have just launched a fantastic, brand new event called the Ocean Impact Pitchfest 2020, and I. Uh, I'm here today to tell you a little bit more about it but also to conduct an Instagram live with a very very inspiring chap. It's going to be Ben Netter who is one of the co-founders of Bureo and I think that Bureo are just a really really exciting um man on what a brand that is focused on positive ocean impact really looks like. So Ben's going to be tuning in, which is going to be very exciting, and we're going to be having a yarn all about his journey. And there he is. G'day, Ben.
1: Hey, you guys can hear uh, me? Okay.
0: Yeah, I've got you loud and clear. How's my uh, sound for you? Beautiful,
1: beautiful. Oh, you got way cooler uh, backdrop than me, though. But... <laughs>
0: yeah, you need to. Uh, you need to print out some posters or have someone donate some to you. Yeah,
1: I've been working on that, but not not around it <laughs> yet.
0: Whereabouts are you today, mate?
1: I am in uh, Brazil, uh, in Campinas, which is in the state of São Paulo, and uh, we've pretty much camped out here at my my mother in law's house pretty much since COVID hit, with my wife and my uh, our little baby. So, yes. um, yeah, it's it's gotten pretty heavy here, but we're making the most of it. It's um actually been a blessing for us since I'm traveling a lot less for work and. And we got a big backyard to explore and lots of nature around here, so we're doing all right.
0: Gosh, how important has nature been for everyone during this um upheaval and crazy times.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh we were we were in Sao Paulo in the city originally and uh you couldn't even leave your apartment and so it just wasn't even an option for us after a while and now we're just really grateful to have this this place to be and family to support us and and thank god everyone's safe in in our network here so
0: oh, i'm really that. pleased to really pleased to hear that it's just uh, been an incredible 2020 and and you know so damaging and, and so disruptive but we're going to hopefully spend the conversation today looking at the the positives of what your your work has been achieving over the last how many years now when did you first launch Bereo? oh man uh well
1: I think there was the late night conversations at uh, Manly Wharf Bar probably back in 2011. Um, But I think we really started in 2013 when we actually, actually quit our day jobs and went all in at the end of 2013. So it's been a good stretch of seven years already now.
0: And this is the really remarkable thing, and we'll obviously get into the bit of the backstory um, of our relationship and the formation of Boreo, but um, yeah, it was when you were back in Manly, which is where Ocean Impact Organization is based. I believe you were working for Edge Environment, were you at the That's time? That's right. You were living in Australia? Exactly, yeah. It was pretty much a dream
1: gig. It was my first full-time sustainability job and uh, surfboard rack in the entrance, get in the water at lunch. Uh, Unreal. But I I needed a new challenge. I mean, that's a a story for another day.
0: (laughs) Why don't we go even back a little bit further then, um, Ben, and just sort of dive into what it is about your relationship with the ocean, which has led you to developing this career and this incredible business built around creating a positive impact on the ocean.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always grew up around it. I grew up in a place it's fairly well known, Cape Cod. It's it's in New England, um, known for where they shot Jaws and the Kennedys grew up there and um, really beautiful um, peninsula. And, um, and you know, from there on, I just had a passion for the ocean environment. Um, but, but what struck me um, through my university years, um, I did an undergrad in mechanical engineering and, and just did it to try to Get experience and have a really solid background Um, and then what what um, really opened my eyes was the field of sustainability and realizing how many things um, we're doing right now are threatening the future well-being of our of of our people and our planet and um, and when i connected with David and Kevin with Boreo my two co-founders we all had very interesting skill sets that were very complementary and we also shared this common passion for the ocean environment and we thought, what if we were to take these skill sets and connect it with that passion to do something to protect it and that's really how boreo came about and, and and a very, very short version of a long long journey
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously had the the passion and you had the skills and you had the co-founders now, if I remember correctly our our first interactions were in and around Sydney in those early years and I recall that you, you know, you had the vision to do something, but you didn't quite know what the solution was going to be, or what the technology or the product was going to be. You might tell us a little bit about that time and how yeah. it came to be that you ended up with fishing nets and first up skateboards.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think it really connected with um, uh, David and I were both consultants, and um, there's obviously a lot of value in that career, and there's a lot of purpose in it, but. We were just kind of finding ourselves him and finance myself in environmental sustainability consulting writing a report to have a meeting to have a report to have a meeting and not really seeing any real change especially in my field where i was really passionate about it um and there was to be fair i mean there was some great things i accomplished at edge but um i guess i'm too impatient and we were talking about doing something um that was much more tangible and could really take on so many of these obvious low-hanging fruit that can be accomplished now um, that can we we thought could really trigger a lot more change um for the future to come and so that uh that kind of challenge we put on ourselves um ended up making me walk away from that dream job and taking an offer to um work for the chilean government in in santiago leaving the perfect beach life of Manly, and, and now going in a, a hot city where I wasn't too great with the language, but had to learn quickly. And, um, but what I was introduced to in Chile was, um, one, a really great support network for entrepreneurs. There's a Startup Chile program that's tremendous. But two, uh, this incredible coastline that's still very, very much untouched. I mean, you could, many people describe it as, as um, California 50, 60 years ago, and, um, and and through my work in sustainability consulting, it actually led me to do a project with the wild caught fishing industry, and at that same time, Dave and Kevin and I were continuing our conversations about doing something meaningful together, and it was the discovery of fishing net pollution that really struck us. We were surprised to find out it's um, it's actually for entanglement and for for marine wildlife, it's, it's the most harmful form of, of plastic pollution. And um, just doing my surveys and studies in Chile, I was surprised to find out there really wasn't a solution for it. And so that's what really brought us to seeing this is a really tangible opportunity for us to do something with this material.
0: So in those early discussions with your co-founders then, um, were you looking at the issue of plastic pollution? Was it at the top of the of the pack or was there a range of other challenges that you were looking to try and solve?
1: I would say it's pretty much plastic pollution and and again taking it back to Manly this beautiful place um, that we know what effort it takes for people to visit from many many times from the other side of the world would we would find people showing up there um, and you could obviously tell people were tourists even me being an American being a tour arguably a tourist there as well but they would come to have their sandwich and throw the wrapper on the ground and, and you just wonder you just paid thousands of dollars and spent so much effort to get here how can you make this this action to just throw it uh, in and dis- and totally disrespect and harm this this beautiful place and and it was kind of a fascination we had was what why were people getting it and and I think Ben's, that that's where we again we thought it was so tangible to take on i mean there's obviously got to be more that can be done, and, and we took a really academic approach and understood about behavior change and, and incentivizing people, education, infrastructure, all these important things that need to happen, but the, the end result was there was really some very tangible things that we could do um, to take action on this problem.
0: Okay, so we've you've gone to Chile, you've got a, a job um, working in fisheries, and you've discovered that there's this ginormous problem with with fishing nets that once damaged, once reaching the end of their life, are uh, discarded into the environment, often into the ocean. When did you sort of realize there's a problem we can solve, but was it about the material itself? Did you know then from that understanding of its um, properties that you could turn it into a valuable substance? How did this turn from becoming yeah. a problem into actually a physical product?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So we, we obviously, we explored a lot of different types of plastic pollution. Um, And Kevin came in perfectly. So David had the finance background, I had the sustainability, um, environmental background. And um, Kevin came in from a design, engineering design background as our third co-founder. And it was perfect fit because when we, the the conclusion we really got to um, was we need to connect this material with value. If we can connect it to value, um, then it's no longer a waste. Then people are gonna take notice. If we can transform it into something interesting, it can be an education tool. And more importantly, by upcycling it, by creating it into something of a higher value, we can operate through a shared value model. We can, yes, we can operate as a, a for-profit business, but but use that to our advantage to allow this to scale and do a lot more effort in these communities that really need the help. And so through that, um, we, we explored a lot of different types of plastic pollution. One of the big feedbacks is we got um, from Kevin early on was you can't just expect to pick up any plastic from the ocean, from the beaches, from even a rubbish bin and expect to melt it down and make anything um, that's going to serve a, a solid, reliable purpose of a quality product which we really believed in making. And when we found out that it had to be a really consistent supply of material that was highly recyclable, highly durable, um, that was where we kind of hit a sweet spot with fishing nets. So. It being extremely harmful, having limited end-of-life solutions, and being a very consistent, high-performance plastic, um, it really just hit everything for us. And then the next piece was what product we were going to make, and and somehow we we landed on skateboards.
0: Tell us more about that, because this is obviously when you burst onto the scene, it was just such a novel product and a novel solution to this problem and I think it really it took the world by by charm it really was amazing time
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we again to again our influence of living in australia penny was going crazy and so we knew the that how good that market was going but but more importantly it was something where we suddenly saw one it's really positive it's, it's something that we can connect with especially with this next generation Um, So it can be a great education tool. But then on the other side of upcycling, it's now something where we can take one kilo of plastic and make it into something worth over $100. Now, not only can we pay for the entire supply chain, but we can also pay to do additional community project work. We can pay, fund extra effort to increase the infrastructure and provide collection points to more communities and education programs. And so through that, it really opened up the door of doing a lot more with this material.
0: So that's a really important part to focus on, right? That realization, particularly in those early days when you're trying to get a foothold and get some progress that you needed that, that profit margin to really enable you guys to do that work.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And then, I mean, to take it further, um, once we got through that and we launched on Kickstarter and got the orders through and everything like that, we actually quickly ran into a whole other problem that we weren't expecting. Is as hard as it was to get it off the ground with the fishermen to uh, understand what we were doing, and honestly, they probably didn't. They probably thought we we weren't making any sense to go up to them saying, "Hey, we want to take your garbage and make a skateboard out of it." But <laughs> when we came back and we got to show them the skateboards, and we got to get we got traction on the ground, and what we started to realize is we're getting access to way more escape, way more fishing nets. Than, than we could ever use to make skateboards as our small little skateboard business. And that's really kind of, to speed things up, that's where we're at today, is we're now, instead of, what we got kind of bottlenecked into was, it was getting to be how many skateboards we could sell instead of how many communities we could work with. And thankfully, um, through, that, through that, um, that time period, we had all these like-minded companies that approached us and said, could we use your plastic too? We, we really value what you're doing and we have a product that uses that same type of plastic. We have the customers, we have the distribution. Can you supply us that material? And that's really the pivot we made today is now we've partnered, we have partnerships with over seven brands internationally um, to supply our plastic. And uh, instead of getting the tens of tons a year to make our skateboards, we're now getting into hundreds if not thousands of tons a year. Um, where we're across Chile, Argentina, Peru, um, working with Trek bicycles, Costa sunglasses, Jenga game sets, human scale office chairs. And our biggest partnership by far has been with Patagonia where we're now making all their their hat rims as our first first, uh, big launch with them, which honestly has been a, a dream come true because we always set them as the benchmark and now to be working right with them has been truly incredible
0: yeah such a brilliant brand and such a support to this um innovation and ocean impact sector they're a partner in in pitchfest 2020 patagonia australia is and we might talk a little bit more about them later on so where are you at then now you mentioned this this pivot have yeah. you got enough supply to meet the demand or is demand still um could it still ramp up and the, you know that there's the nets out there to go and um capture
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a global problem. So uh, it's estimated you're looking at um, what's entering the ocean alone, not even what can be captured on land. They've estimated 680,000 tons of fishing that's being discarded in the ocean annually. And so right now we're on track to do, um, uh, this year before COVID, we're on track to do well over 1,000. And that was pretty awesome for us to get across Argentina, Chile, and Peru. Um, but obviously we have our work cut out for ourselves to get anywhere near these kind of numbers that we're hearing globally. So our goal right now is, is really with the company long-term is to provide this solution we've really um, dialed in to as many fisheries and fishing communities that need it. And, um, and, and with that, it, it goes hand in hand with this demand we're facing for the material.
0: So you mentioned before that in the instance of a skateboard, you know, you could get a a kilogram of this net and you could turn it into a hundred dollar product. How does that compare to when you're just doing the reprocessing, you know, the shredding, the pelletizing, and then selling it onto businesses? Is there still that profit margin, that premium?
1: I mean, definitely not that that big of a premium, but obviously the volumes are much bigger. Um, So certainly we have to we have to be more realistic the plastic market is a very competitive space um so that that can be sometimes even frustrating with the fact that virgin plastics are subsidized and we're going through all this effort to make sure we're giving fair wages to the labor all across our supply chain and then people are looking at us and being like yeah but it's still kind of expensive and you're like yeah because it's not subsidized and we have it's
0: from the ocean it's not from the earth
1: (laughs) you only knew the effort we took to get this stuff but um but yeah i so i mean it's really a numbers game now of of, which is fun which is exactly what we want it to be now it's all about how many places we can how many communities we can get to how many kilos of tons of nets can we collect and that's that's where our passion is too. So again, it was really realigning it to not having to worry about how many, you know, kids can we convince to buy our skateboard? It's now how many people, how many fishermen can we work together with to have this really positive solution? We know that they're going to appreciate and, and it's going to be great for the environment all along.
0: It's so great, Ben. It really is. So it all sounds fantastic. And people are sitting back going, wow, these guys, it sounds like a great fun trip, but, building a startup from scratch and going through all those trials and tribulations. Like let's get a little bit of a taste of some of the blood and gore, the Uh, hard times that you've been through. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh man. I mean, it still is there every day. I mean, managing a supply chain, especially with COVID, this was supposed to be the year we've probably been building up for the last five years um, to get to the point where we were going to be delivering some big orders and everything we we hit the year off incredibly well um february we were just firing and um and then boom march hit and everything had to stop and and it was it was a tough pill to swallow but honestly we just we just knew like hey we had a really good start to the year so we know we can get through this period and we just from day one we're just priority number one is our workers health and safety so we had to shut down for a couple of months across all all three countries and just have to reassess. We have, thank God we've got such awesome teams on the ground because the really heavy thing is us as the co- co-founders, we don't even see potential of being able to go to visit our operations in potentially the next year plus, the way it's looking right now. And so we're really grateful that we have, have had solid teams on the ground to manage everything through this period. And we're just going to keep on going. But I mean, day to day stuff, I mean, you name it. We've had, um, we, we got tear gas when we got caught up in a riot at a fishing port, where we were trying to meet with the fishermen. Um, I spent uh, two and a half years living in a small fishing village with my wife in the south of Chile, where we've had many interesting altercations to the point where um, I fell asleep one night alone in the cabin and, and the roof caught on fire. And we had in the middle of the night, uh, two weeks before our wedding day, um, (laughs) our car got stolen by drug addicts, and they crashed into a tree. And we had nothing, like no money, to buy a new car. So we just had to do whatever we could to restore it. And two of the doors didn't work on it anymore, and everyone just get in through the driver's side. For, uh, for quite a while there. Thanks to Suzuki for eventually sponsoring a car for us. <laughs> um, oh man, so many crazy stories, you name it. It really, it, it's been a wild, wild ride. But the biggest thing is that they gave us a shot as three gringos coming into these ports Um, with nothing other than an idea, they really, really opened up and gave us this opportunity to to make something happen. And and they're proud of us. It's it's really cool now to come back and and show how far we've gotten it and and bring the stuff back. The more and more things we have now made from the material and, and seeing that connection getting deeper and deeper over the years, it really means a lot.
0: That's awesome, mate. Yeah, resilience and being able to deal with adversity are certainly great qualities for founders like yourself, and uh, you seem to have them in spades. What about some of the big lessons that you've learned? You know, you mentioned before the skill set that each of the three founders brought together, the amount of R&D and making sure there was a product market fit. Like, what are some of the really key lessons and learnings that you like to talk to other startup founders uh, about?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in the really early days, um, don't be, test your idea out as much as you possibly can. Um, What we did that was really valuable is we did, we just found people that were doing somewhat similar stuff, and we did what they call informational interviews, just had calls with them and kind of just asked questions and then eventually opened up to what we were thinking of doing and just had sounding board after sounding board of people in, in this space. Um, granted, nobody was making fishnet skateboards, uh, but there is obviously now a growing movement um, of now, you can see so many companies working with recycled plastic and recycled um, plastic that, that was prevented from entering the ocean and so forth. And, um, and so I would definitely try to connect with people that are already in the space that you're working in to get some really honest insight and really, really test that idea as much as you can um, before you make the full leap. Um, then the other piece is um, it really has to be when that time comes, you got to go all in because there was no way for us to accomplish this if it wasn't for the three of us fully devoted to this happening. And um, we were in a uh, couple different startup programs, and we saw a couple people kind of moonlight it a bit and, and just try to like get it by and kick it along and and to be honest it's not going to get accomplished you really got to fully commit and on that same note you also have to accept the fact that it's only going to happen if you make it happen as much as you want to hire a consultant to do some piece for you or have someone subcontracting another piece you got to drive it home and there were so many times where we had to count on somebody but it really wasn't until we we stepped up and, and stayed on top that we saw things come through and that's still to this day the case and and it's um it's about taking the time and effort to build that, that, the right relationships up. But those first years are absolute grind. So you just gotta be ready for it. And then at the end of the day, if you can connect with your passion, it's just, it's absolutely rewarding because you kind of realize, what, what else would I be doing if I was in this? If I could really choose, what else would I be doing? And, and on that point, you kind of do always have to step back, take a day in the water, and remind yourself, you know, you're not in a cubicle. You're not just writing a report to write a report. You are out there doing something you really believe in and and nothing, you can't trade that for anything.
0: Such valuable advice and we really appreciate that, Ben. Um, So tell us a little bit more, you mentioned the great new partnerships with huge brands like Patagonia and six others. So aside from COVID, imagining that we do get through this in the next um, 12 months, what is your grand vision for Borreo into the future? Well, I mean, so
1: we joined, um, Patagonia also has an impact fund, um, called Tinch Ventures, And we were really fortunate extremely early on, just when we were making the skateboards to receive investment. And, um, that actually has blossomed into a really beautiful partnership Um, where the materials team specifically at Patagonia has really taken this idea of utilizing our recycled fishnet material to so much more, so many more applications. And that's where it's leading us today, where the cool thing about Patagonia is we've been working with their materials team for the last five years for, for this Hat Brim project and we have a lot more other stuff in the works with them. But the awesome thing is that they're not just holding on to it and saying this is our thing and like that's our, that's our um, differentiator in the market. They they want to launch it to make it people aware of it because if we launch it on our own, not many people would probably know of it. But after they launch it, they want to open it up to the market so everyone can take this over and, and replace virgin plastics for good and have this innovative material for everyone to use. So Patagonia is committed to launching this material with us, but... The long-term vision, right alongside this mission of trying to find the solution to, to every fishery in need, is to provide this material to every every business that needs a solution, an alternative to, to virgin plastic. And and that's really the the long-term play. And Patagonia's been absolutely dream partner to to create that with.
0: And with that Patagonia and the opportunity with tin shed ventures, I wonder if you wouldn't mind opening up a little bit about what it's like to receive support and to go into some of these startup ecosystems or networks and really feel like this, this ecosystem is here to help you. And this is obviously a, a leading question given that that's what Ocean Impact Organization is designed to do to help people start, grow and invest in their businesses that can positively impact the ocean. Give us a little bit of a snapshot into your experiences and what we as an organization can learn to make sure we provide the best support to founders and entrepreneurs like you.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I would say the, the best advice because we've been through a couple different programs, um, Northeastern University's idea program, startup, Chile, and Tinch adventures, um, fish 2.0. We've been through quite a few actually. And the, the biggest thing I would say for the entrepreneurs is you're going to, you're going to get out of it what you put into it don't expect these these um, starter programs to hold your hand and and expect you to get results just for attending the workshops and whatnot you really got to come in with a plan and then utilize these people as a valuable resource and 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 have them each there to help you along for whatever key area they can contribute to and that's what we found With each partnership in Chile, when we were with Startup Chile, which is a government funded um, program, we got a lot of help from the Chilean government when we had to go through all the legal stuff, setting up an entity they helped us engage with the fisheries and the government industry associations and the recycling partners and so forth. But then with Patagonia, we're getting so much guidance when we need to step up and, and get into, you know, real contracts and and supply chain matters for production of of recycled materials, incorporating it into into uh, retail products, and so it it really has to be. But those those things that help never came until we had good reason to present it to the to the mentors and to the support groups that each accelerator provided, and then for the for the other side of it, um, for the actual program. I think that um, one thing we did with Startup Chile that was really actually quite helpful and, and enjoyable was they they made us siphon into our entire business pitch into two minutes. And they really pushed us where every month we had to come back and pitch again, pitch again, pitch again. And, and the workshops were great. There were always platforms for discussion. But I think more just having one-on-one check-ins, giving people their own mentorship one-on-one with each company, someone to be able to be there for them to see how they're going along is really valuable because sometimes the entrepreneurs can be so young that they don't even realize they might be running into a red flag. So having those regular check-ins with them um, can be really valuable.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And one of the application processes for the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest it starts with a simple form so we can capture your detail and make sure you meet the application criteria but then second stage is a pitch video. So people are either going to have um, hopefully a pitch video they've already been working on, but they may be starting from scratch. So what did you learn in that process of being able to steal your business pitch down to two minutes? What was the big juicy lesson there?
1: Well, you, you actually had something else come to mind, but the, but the big thing in the two minutes is just get your message across as quickly as possible. Um, just start with a couple bullet points and really don't go much further than that because two minutes is not a long time. Um, but the other thing that came to mind with video and that kind of stuff, one of the best investments we did early on is got a really good SLR camera um, because anything you're gonna put up, even even slides from in your PowerPoint, make sure you go really good quality because it just immediately right off the bat tells what this company's about, if they're serious or not. And if you go with something a little bit cheaper and a little bit poorer, have a, have a low-quality website, I know it's, it's superficial, but it really does make a difference for the immediate impression you're going to give your business.
0: So true. When you've got that moment to pitch your idea and there's a, a small error or a little bit of a decrease in quality, it can have a massive impact, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, this has been really fun, Ben. We won't keep you much longer, but I wouldn't mind... Um, just letting you open up any sort of final words and maybe you can just tell people some information about what they can do with Bureau, the relationship they can have now, products for sale. Just uh, give us a little bit of a, a wrap up from your end. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I just wanna say I'm, I'm so happy for you, Tim, for, for getting this to happen because this space needs as much help as it can get. Um, there's still so much opportunity out there. I mean, one of the big things We always get from the uh, the challenger of the group is you know why just fishing nets why not do everything you know and it's like well that's what everyone else needs to step up and figure out we figure out fishing nets (laughs) but we need others to figure out other solutions we can't do everything we're just three gringos in South America so I mean it's just great to see this platform to come together Um, Tim I'd be happy to contribute in whatever way I can um, you know, obviously, we have had we've gone through the ringer that I've touched on already. So I'd be happy to provide insight from our experience with, with your um, your startups coming through, and um, and beyond that, uh, just I want to wish everyone best of luck um, for this this great platform, and and uh, hope that you guys um, we can keep tabs on this and and see what's to come. And and in terms of Boreo. Um, follow us on Instagram that's probably our best feed to keep going on we have lots in the works uh, with all the cool stuff we're developing with Patagonia and other partners and um, and we're just really proud that we're gonna we're very on track to get through this period even stronger than the way we were before so and I wish that for everyone
0: awesome Ben and um, yeah we might end up signing you up as a a possible mentor or at least a sounding board if any uh great ideas come through that have similarities or reference points to to what the great work that boreo and the team have done
1: yeah my pleasure
0: okay look thank you so much ben you're an inspiration i really love the opportunity to talk to you today because i think that boreo is such a shining example of an ocean impact startup and we can't wait to see who comes out of the, uh, the depths of the ocean to apply for the ocean impact pitch first, just head to our website or follow the links and you'll be able to find all the information. Have an awesome evening. I'll have an awesome day and thanks again, everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Thanks, man.